I am Joan Hogan welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. For those of you who may not have read in the paper, Dr. Holm is going to be inducted in the South Dakota Hall of Fame this month, next month, very soon. Yeah, September or something. Oh, in September. Well, I'm very happy for you. I think it's an honor well-deserved. Well, thank you. I'm very honored, but I'm also very humbled by the whole darn thing. I mean, I, you know. uh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to accept these honors, but Um, when they're well-earned, you should accept it. Yeah. I'm going to remind, before we talk to Tori, our visitor, who Bob tried to give a very hard time to, (laughs) uh, (coughs) I want to remind all of you, you can live stream our audio and video of our program on your computer. We're on the web at prairiedoc.org. Pull up the page and choose radio from the list at the top of the page. Then you'll see the arrow pointing to our program today. If you'd like to watch previous programs, they're on there too. But if you're just sitting by the radio, sit back, relax. We're a lot more fun in uh, audio than video, don't you think? No, and video is okay too. you're going to be out of us, the there's one very pretty person here. Yes, there is. There's a there's another <laughs> quite pretty, <laughs> and there's this old two old guys that are uh, geezer like that uh, you know. <laughs> well, we are being video streamed, and we are prairiedoc.org. But now to today's program, we have as our guest today Tori Bishop, who's a student in the Prairie Doc Assistantship program. She's a student at South Dakota State, but also took on this role. Why don't you, Tori, welcome to the program. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. And you don't have to sing. <laughs> Thank you. <All> right. <laughs> but I'm just curious to, uh, for those who don't know what the assistantship, if I can say it, assistantship program is, why don't you tell us something about that? Well, basically the main thing that we do is we help out Dr. Holm with his show on Thursday nights, his Prairie Doc show, and we get to talk to the doctors who are being interviewed on the show, and for about an hour before we get to talk to them for probably about a half hour, and just get to know a little bit more about them and about their path into medicine and what exactly they do, which I think is really awesome because you get to kind of get a look into the life of a doctor and be able to get excited for that for your future and then we just get to help out Dr. Home by answering the phones and just helping him out in any way that we can with this show. Okay well you must be planning on medicine in your future. Yes I am. I'm going in my junior year as a pre-med student. Pre-med and hoping to get into med school. That's great. So what uh, where's your home originally? I am originally from Sioux City, Iowa. Sioux City, Iowa and then your parents any anybody involved with medicine or? Um, my mother is a uh, physical therapist assistant, so to an extent, yes. But other than that, there's nothing really significant with medicine. Yeah, how about way back there? I mean, I've got a great-grandfather who was a physician, and that's all that I know. Honestly, I don't, I really don't think so. No. no I haven't, I haven't heard any stories from way back that no. would be medicine. So what piqued your interest? I mean, what was it that, that went, oh, that's something that I might want to do? Um... I'm not sure if there was like a pivotal moment that I was like, 
wow, I really want to be a doctor because of that. I think I was always just really fascinated by medicine when I would go in for regular checkups. I just thought it was cool what they could do. And then just being able to help people, having a lifestyle and a job that is solely built around helping individuals, I think is super important to me because I love that aspect of my life. You know, I love that aspect of my life too. I mean, it is what drove me into it. And, uh, you know, we had a... <coughs> we had a, uh, a doctor in our little community of DeSmet who, uh, his name was Dr. Bell, who was, you know, one of those uh, really neat, loving, caring people who was always there and seemed so wise and seemed so kind and and so interesting. And, uh, and so that was it. I think it was, you know, seeing somebody. Was it a doctor somewhere that you saw or you knew that you... Um, or Dr. Welby on TV or <laughs> Marcus no. Welby. <laughs> My family doctor, I think we're pretty close family friends with, and he's always been super yeah. kind to our family. So I definitely think that could have been an impact. But, again, there wasn't anything super big that was like, this is exactly what I want yeah. to do. It was just always kind of there. And and what you did last summer, I didn't go with you, but Joni, my wife Joni, went with you, and um, and you joined a physician friend of mine down in Nicaragua, and we'll talk about that, but Jonah's giving me the, let's take a quick break before we Well, we, we will. We'll this. take a break, and we do want to hear about your trip to Nicaragua, and we will right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature, and our guest in the studio today is Tori Bishop. Tori is a student at South Dakota State University. She's been working with Dr. Holmes' TV program, is, and uh, he has this great group of students that call the assistantship program. The PDAs, the, the, PDAs. the Prairie Doc Assistants. Okay, assistants are much easier for me to say than assistantship. Okay. I can't quite get that yes. out. So the Prairie Doc Assistants and Tori last year had uh, the great advantage of traveling with Dr. Holmes' wife in a group of these assistants to a medical mission in Nicaragua. So tell us a little bit about uh, who you saw there uh, and the physician that you monitored and watched? Well, we saw a lot of different people. Um, a lot of just people in the villages. We went to many different villages. And you're going to have to refresh my memory on Boyd Shook. Dr. Dr. Shook. Dr. Shook is who we were shadowing and getting to be with for the week. And he was awesome. He was a lot of fun and a very nice guy and he just told us stories of how he just pours his life and his finances and everything into these people and it was really amazing the impact that he has made in Nicaragua and honestly all over the world and so that was really cool to see and just being around everyone down there it was just a great atmosphere and great to see how privileged we are here and just a different world honestly it was it's really good to experience that. Uh, the, so here is this guy. He is the head of the uh, president of the, the, the American Society of Internal Medicine in 2002 or whatever it was. And uh, he kind of facilitated the ASIM combining with the ACP. These are the two internal medicine, national internal medicine organizations. And they were kind of tearing themselves apart because the one had a more political bias, the other had a more educational bias, but then, you know, they competed in a sense. 
and were becoming more and more competitive. And Boyd brought them together. And of course, um, he was the sacrificial lamb. I mean, when he was done, he was done. I mean, whereas he made the path open for many other people to stay in the in the father organization, the combined organization that followed. I mean, just one one more example of a real hero, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And now we find out that he is leading the uh, I- these missions to mission trips to Nicaragua and Joni and Boyd and I got that whole thing going and you guys had a chance to go with them to Nicaragua. How neat is that? Yeah, it was awesome. We've got a question. Well, yes, well, not co- had covering that issue, but just to we don't have to complete it. We can come back to Nicaragua, but we're mentioning it because it's on your TV program tomorrow night. Right. You're doing the program on Nicaragua. There'll be a lot of, you'll, you'll get to see Tori in person <laughs> if yeah. you're not watch, video streaming this right now. And Tori and a number of the students, there's video of them, and there's the whole program will be on that Nicaragua trip. Very interesting program. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they're Spanish speaking. Uh, and uh, it was just, I'm, sh- I'm sure that the, the watchers will enjoy, they will really that, enjoy the that little yeah. example of going going there but you know this program does uh we're we're here to answer your questions of medical nature and we had one come in and this is i've never heard this before and is there a medical basis for a person craving to eat ice i've never heard that question it's called pica there is a medical basis for someone craving to eat well the same people also eat starch they also eat dirt clay um, and these, have you heard of that? Uh, Bob, you've heard of everything. Bob has heard of, he's shaking his head, yes. The man yep. knows everything. Yep. I know little or nothing. But yep. in all the 20-some years we've done this, no one has ever asked that question. So it's I a unique s- question. S- if s- there were a prize, we'd give him a prize for it. So now they, Argos, the Argos starch is the classic pica. I had a woman, she was 25, that came into the Grady Hospital. And uh, she, they, she had been eating ice. She had also been eating Argo starch, and she'd also been eating scoops of dirt from the clay of the uh, river bottom. And, uh, and uh, we found that she had a hematocrit of 16 and a hemoglobin of 5, uh, normal being 40 and, you know, 15. Uh, it, you know, it's just, uh, and they have a craving when they get iron deficient to find iron somewhere and they seem to crave for unknown reasons starch clay and ice have you heard that i've heard of it but i haven't heard it yeah and uh, you know it's it's mostly women because women are the most common young women are very commonly iron deficient because of menstrual blood loss And you know, and uh, so you can th- you can overcome this simply by getting iron. iron to the diet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and make sure that the bleeding source is is uh, defined. I mean, many women have normal men or heavy menstrual cycles that are normal for them. It's not dangerous. If a guy has it, he's losing it in his colon. You know, he's got colon cancer. He's got ulcers or something. Uh, but it's more, uh, you know, it's acceptable in women if we have a known blood s- loss source that's defined and it's acceptable. What you need to do is replace that iron. Now, there's some who say that iron um, uh, in the, is ne- never adequate in the diet of a young woman in particular. Some say 
the reason that women don't have heart disease until after menopause uh, and then they finally catch up with men is because iron deficiency is protective against coronary disease. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. You read it's it. new. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you have. And mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you know about that? I mean, not a whole lot. I've just heard that, that like after the menstrual everything, your menopause and everything, then it's higher risk. Right, and that that's pretty easy. I mean, um, most of us realize that um, men's, well, as they reach menopause, their testosterone levels wane, and their risk of heart disease kind of levels off. Whereas, you know, when they're the masculine macho guy, uh, they're they're at a higher risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's that when men, women get menopause, uh, their testosterone levels drop. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their testosterone levels actually nor, uh, equalize to what men uh, are after menopause, and then they catch up. But there are those who say that it's the iron deficiency that prevents coronary disease. Now, the data and the science behind that is not there. I'm just saying this is an, it's not an old wives' tale. It's a, it's, it's a um, scientific suspicion that people haven't proven. Anecdotal evidence. Absolutely not proven. So don't go making yourself iron deficient to prevent your coronary artery disease. Please don't. But But uh, now for this person who called in, if they know someone who, or if this person has that craving for ice, you strongly recommend... Get your hematocrit checked and... uh, (laughs) Get to your doctor, say you might have iron deficiency, tell them your symptoms, and uh, it could be something that could be handled very easily. Well, on that note, we are going to take a break, and we'll be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here answering your questions. A very interesting one on chewing ice. I did not know about that before. And our guest today is Tori Bishop, who's a student at South Dakota State University and has been an assistant with uh, Dr. Holm's TV program. Talk to us about uh, the Prairie Doc Assistantship. Uh, More than, like, the the show and everything well no I mean uh, how did you get into it and what and what happened to it? freshman year I received an email from my advisor saying that dr. home is looking for some assistance and with an attachment for an application so being that freshman that's trying to get her foot in the door go get her <laughs> yeah, freshman. I decided to fill it out and then I was emailed by Judge Kelly and we set up an interview and I was chosen and then myself and Jalen Otto were one of the first ones and it was just really fun to just be involved in something and to get to know an awesome doctor such as Dr. Holm and and just to be able to be involved in not only like the medical aspect in Brookings but like just the community because I've just been able to see how much the Prairie Doc has been involved in Brookings' life, and it's just been really cool to be a part of that. Well, and then we've had a few um, prize winners. Tell us a little bit about the Nobel Prize winners. We had the Nobel Laureate just recently for, you're going to have to refresh my memory. Randy Sheckman. Sheckman, yes. And he was genetics. Well, he, he had developed the, uh, the yeast uh, uh, genetic changes to so that yeast was made to to uh, make insulin. Yeah. So we developed human insulin 
from the yeast, and it was Schechtman's uh, uh, development, his scientific research that brought us to to not have to look for for uh, for uh, insulin from cattle or pigs, mm -hmm. but rather we can get it exactly like human insulin is uh, by yeast. messing with the with the genetics of yeast. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So that's why he won the Nobel Prize, and he came to. Brookings, South Dakota. Yeah, like a month ago. Yeah. About, yeah, and we got to talk with him, and that we had our neat. own, yeah, our own little one-on-one -on -one kind of session, all the assistants. We got to speak with him and just learn more about him, and it, honestly, it wasn't, I thought it would be more of like a lecture on his, on all of his genetics with the yeast and everything, but it was really just like getting to know him, and I thought that was really special, because I also went to the lecture that he had held for the university. So I got to learn that as well, but just getting to know who he was as a person and his personality and even a lot of his social standings, it was it was really cool just to we had Right, we had met uh, the Nobel Prize winner that had been there the year before, mm -hmm. and uh, he was an MD uh, two years ago, uh, and but he had done really deep research in uh, the development of pharmaceuticals. And uh, with that... Uh, we interviewed him. Well, he was sweating bullets from that interview. He, he's not a guy who really loved the microphone. You know what I mean? It was one of those, uh, ooh, ee, ah, um, and painful. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of painful. He yeah. likes to be in the lab, right? <laughs> so here comes Sheckman, this last guy. Uh, oh my gosh! You know, we put the fa the cam where the camera on him and the microphone in his hand, and he just took off on the value of of uh, secondary education. And uh, why uh, colleges are have you know have become very expensive, and that we need to change this in our society because mm -hmm. the the middle class American can hardly afford college anymore, and that it's only for the rich, and that we've got to change this uh, societal thing and that societal thing. I mean, it was wonderful to hear this mm -hmm. guy. I mean, he just he had the bedside manner, and he was a PhD, not an MD. That mm -hmm. was the paradox. Interesting. Though. Yeah. It would be a paradox. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, so you've learned a lot, and you've enjoyed being part of it. Yes, definitely. I'm so glad to hear that, because it, it has really benefited Dr. Holmes' program as well. Well, yeah, I so much appreciate the research that they do. They'll, they'll take off, the PDAs will take off on doing research on in, any particular questions. Uh, they'll look up issues, and then they answer those questions and make them in a form that we can use on air. And just to in increase the value of the experience that evening, to have the students there that, the you know, doctors or teachers really. Well, it's a win-win for everyone. It's so a I'm true win-win. We're, we're happy to have you here, Tori, to tell us about it today, too. We have had another question come in, and it is uh, another unusual one. If you think a restaurant meal caused you food poisoning, who should you report this to? How about in Brookings? If you think that you ate something that may have caused food poisoning, is there someone in town to report this to? Well, um, is it a state thing? Tongue in cheek. I you when and there's a, a societal important issue. I generally call KBRK. You know. And oh they, no, <laughs> just kidding. No, Bob. you don't do that. No, just kidding. Uh, what uh, you know there? There's the, some it's medical easy. thing. Wouldn't it's it be? easy to find the state health department. Uh, you can also call uh, the the police department, and those are people who are the official people who know to get to the who who would know. Uh, the other point is that SDSU, 
you can go to the uh, dietary department and ask them. You know, uh, those are three places from which to source. Call no, 211. Bob, what is, what is the... What uh, is 211? It's a statewide informational network that will put you in touch Okay, Bob people. is off the, yeah. he doesn't have a microphone in front of him. He doesn't have so a microphone. You can repeat what he just said. He said 211 is a statewide informational network that will, it's staffed by live people and it'll guide you to where you need to go, okay. whatever the question might be. Yeah, I thought so it would be the state health department, but I wasn't sure if there's somebody in they, town that you would. So the state health department, though, is in our phone book. It and is, that okay. would be the person, uh, yeah. their, the and the they would place tell you would what to do about it. And you know, it's hard to prove that food poisoning is from one meal. Either. That is exactly That's right. The they thing. would, they would not immediately just accuse yeah. that restaurant of absolutely not of, uh, of problems. What they would though is do is explore the possibility, which is important. And I think restaurants uh, are uh, always being being checked by the state health departments. Yeah. There's some inspectors that have to check restaurants, so they'd be alerted to it and be more aware of it. There it is. We like to think that doesn't happen in Brookings. No. Right? No. We have fine restaurants here. That's, that's right. Right. Now, last week you were talking about, um, just at the very end of the program, a woman had called in and asked about the purpose of a stress test or a treadmill. And you were talking about it, and you said, I feel bad. I didn't give a full answer. I'm going to give you a second to think about it because we're going to go to our final break. But possibly you could give a more complete answer to her question about treadmills and stress tests. What was the specific uh, question that, that she had so she that said, I could go right to it? What is the purpose of a stress test on a treadmill? And is there a test that shows damage to the heart if I had a heart attack and survived? Right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We just have a few minutes remaining, and we did have a question that we're going to readdress this week from last week's program, and it has to do with heart attacks and stress right. tests. So what is the purpose of a stress test? The purpose of a stress test is to make the decision whether a person should have an angiogram or not. Really, that's, that's, the, that's purpose. the purpose. Do you do the next test where they put a, a catheter up your groin into the arteries of the heart, inject dye, take a picture of the dye and, and look at the patency, the openness of the arteries that feed the heart, the coronary arteries. And if you indeed have obstruction of the coronary arteries, they can put stents in them or they can bypass them. Uh, the more significant problems really require a bypass. If you're diabetic, they are encouraging more and more that those people get bypass if it's needed. Um, you know, and um, Here's a good question. Is it a great test? It's not a great test, but it is a, um, a test that's important. With a question about calcium index, that test uh, is done to look to see if there's calcium in the arteries, but it doesn't really tell you much because a lot of people have calcification in the arteries. doesn't mean there's any obstruction or not. Um, so what people have been doing uh, at the heart hospital and at Sanford is because they're trying to draw people in. I mean, it's a it's a lost leader. Try to come in, come one and all, and we'll give you our heart doctors. Um, if you go there and you get a calcium indexing, and it's abnormal, then they may bring you to do a stress test. The stress test is really to tell if you need to have an angiogram. Okay, so it's a step. So it's a stepwise uh, deal, and uh, and an angiogram really um, will tell you whether you need a stent or a bypass. The bypasses seem, t if 
they're indicated will save lives, decrease heart attacks. The stents don't seem to save lives or decrease heart attacks. What they do is they treat chest pain. If a person's having chest pain and it's intolerable, they can't get anywhere because they have pain, uh, they can do the, the stents and it'll take away the pain. That it, uh, the body, and the reason it isn't any better than medical therapy is because medical therapy, which is you maintain them with uh, medicine the, while the body heals itself. The body is always healing itself. If you break a bone, you, can, you mend that bone um, if you give it a stability enough. So that's the answer to the test. What is the purpose of a stress test? Now, in a man who has classic angina or chest pain that sounds very much like heart, I go right to the angiogram. I don't. I, you don't waste the. I, I don't waste the stress test. Okay. The, it, it might give me a false sense of security when, if a person has angina enough, you need to have the angiogram. That's the question. Uh, if a woman has chest pain, or if a man, if a man has atypical chest pain, I can't tell whether it's, it's, uh, it's exercise induced or not. Then I'll commonly do a stress test, and sometimes I'll do a stress test with angio, with, um, with a, a nuclear components. So you inject a nuclear uh, material, and then you can see if there is an area that's blocked. Uh, and um, but it's still alive, or whether it was blocked in the past, it's already had a heart attack, it's said and done, uh, and there's nothing more to do. And so a nuclear t stress test uh, will commonly be always be done in a woman, and we'll do it in a very atypical man. So okay. th there it is. I think you gave her a really. Question. I hope the woman that called in last uh. week is listening this week because the uh, answer is much more complete. We just we're short on time last week. Couldn't get to it. And we, but we've got Tori uh, here. Let one last word about the value of this Nicaragua experience and and. Uh, um, I think the greatest value for myself was just being able to get an experience other than here. I've been to Haiti before, and I'm actually going to Haiti in a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun with some more pre-med students here. And so just being able to travel and go to those third world countries and just see the difference from there to here and be able to really just realize how well we have it off here and how much we take for granted it's honestly life-changing because you just look at things in a totally different perspective and you just really get to appreciate everything that our life here provides for us could i ask you when you go to haiti is that a medical mission trip as well it is yeah i actually set it up myself for other undergrad students because oh, wow. of our nicaragua trip i was approached by a lot of my peers and they were like oh how did you get set up with that and so i decided well, why not provide to those peers another trip, another medical mission trip? So what will uh, you be doing and where are you going and who, with whom are you associated? Um, I set it up through Mission of Hope and we will be flying into Port-au-Prince and their um, station, I guess, the Mission of Hope campus is about two hours away from Port-au-Prince and we will be just helping other doctors there's other doctors that will be going during the same week and we'll be assisting them with a lot like we did in nicaragua with different um 
like pharmacy stuff, just handing out medications that they need and helping them in any way that we can and just assisting the doctors to whatever extent that we're able to. So. Well, that's great. Thank you yeah, for fantastic. doing that, and thank you for being on our show today. No Tori. problem. Thank you for inviting me. We're you glad bet. you're here, and we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As, also, as always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you for joining us today. Rick, that's all till next week. Yeah, and don't forget, watch the Nicaragua show tomorrow night. And thanks again, Tori and Joan and Bob. And stay healthy out there.